this is Heartstock Radio, and I'm your host, Carol Murphy. And our guest this evening is Bobby Carlton of Innovation Women. In just a bit, she is going to tell us all about what she is up to. Also, as usual, I'd like to share with you that we are on Facebook. We always post our guests there and our previous programs. Each event is posted uh, the week that that guest is appearing, and you can find us there at Heartstock Radio on Facebook. You can also email us at heartstockradio at gmail.com. This is Carol Murphy, your host. And just a minute, we will be back with Bobby Carlton of Innovation Women. This is Heartstock Radio. Thank you so much for listening. Our guest this evening is Bobby Carlton of Innovation Women. Hi, Bobby, and thank you so much for being on Heartstock. Thank you so much for having me. Can you give our listeners a little intro as to what Innovation Women is? And all of the, you have quite a few irons in the fire, so to speak. Um, <laughs> yeah, just give us a little intro. Sure. Um, I always tell people that I am a parallel entrepreneur instead of a serial entrepreneur. So (laughs) I own three companies. The day job is Carlton PR Marketing, where we work with startups and small companies. The night job is Mass Innovation Nights, where we help launch new products and startups in the Boston market. And the dream job is Innovation Women. So Innovation Women is a online self-service speaker platform that is designed to connect event managers with awesome speakers who just happen to be women. Mm. And you kind of had an interesting journey up to Innovation Women. And if I remember correctly, you were a software developer. Is that right? Uh, no, but I work with tons of high-tech companies. So I headed gotcha. up global PR at uh, a couple of big enterprise software firms, and I worked with a number of marketing and PR agencies. But uh, uh, I myself am nerd-friendly, but tech challenged <laughs> on my own front. Okay, now it's all making sense. So (laughs) did you always know that you were going to go into marketing and PR? You know, early on, I was actually going to be in radio. I have a broadcasting degree myself. I went to Ithaca College for radio and uh, somewhere along the way realized that the public relations people always had all kinds of knowledge about what was going on and as a news reporter and uh, 
somebody who was interested in knowing what was happening. All of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, I'm just going to cut out the middleman and I'm going to go into PR. And how long had you been doing radio at that point when you kind of made the, the segue there? Well, I actually did some radio work before I went to college and then uh, worked my way through college doing radio work. Uh, I was a jazz DJ as well as a reporter. Uh, I worked for a newspaper for a little while and a lot of writing, a lot of being able to tell a story. That was very important. So I did that early on in my career. And when I moved out to Boston, I actually worked for a little while at the Deerskin Trading Post. Uh, was all leather goods. They had a catalog. And then I got right into high-tech PR and pretty much my entire career was there. And how about working specifically with women? At what point did you decide that the innovation win platform was, you were going to give birth to that? Yeah. You know, that's interesting. That's actually quite the journey because I was working for years in high tech and a lot of times not as many women in the room with me. And I ended up leaving high tech and working for a kid oriented company, a brand that was focused on promoting positive role models for preteen girls. And in 2008, when that company kind of ran out of money, then I was off on my own and I started my own company. And again, I, I really wasn't kind of focused so much on the women aspect as I was focused on startups and, and small companies. A lot of it be underrepresented. And I think there's, you know, a point along the way where all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, I am lonely. I am not seeing <laughs> the women in the room with me. And I had a couple of specific instances which really made me sit up and take notice, and that's when I started Innovation Women. One was I was asked to speak on a panel about a topic, a technical topic that I, as a marketing person, knew nothing about. You know, I asked the people who were asking me, you know, like, why would you ask me to be on this panel? I'm a marketing person. I don't know anything about this topic. And they looked uncomfortable and said, well, you know, we have a panel of guys and we really need a woman on the panel too. And I'm like, well, what is this? Am I the only woman you know? <laughs> and I think, I think the answer was yes. <laughs> and so I found them someone with the appropriate technical knowledge. And then I started working with some other event managers and helping them connect with women speakers. And very quickly, this could become a full-time job. So I decided to apply some technical solutions to the problem and I crowdfunded enough money to purchase a development team to bring innovation women to life. Well, I have a whole bunch of questions about that, but before we <laughs> start talking about that, I, I really want to talk just a little bit more about something that you said earlier, you know, and we've had a few women that have talked about and touched upon this subject. Why is it that you were so lonely, do you think? It almost seems like we have to kind of identify and really understand the roots of something before we can fix it. I don't know if that's true or yeah. not, but at any rate. That, yeah, I mean, um, I, I was working in high tech and 
you know, the numbers of women in tech, you know, 20 years ago, of course, were relatively low and they're still relatively low. I think there are some systemic issues that lead to women leaving the industry. Um, of course, there are, you know, you're going to be at some point along the way having kids, uh, raising a family, and women are still more likely to stay home and take care of the kids. Uh, in my own situation, had a little bit of a role reversal. My husband stayed home with our kids. And so we have two boys who are now 18 and 23, uh, but my husband stayed home with them from the very beginning and I worked. And I think a lot of times you see women staying home or women just deciding that, you know, maybe this is not the thing that they want to do. You get more women who are working part-time or they go off and work for smaller companies. So I think there's some systemic issues with women staying home. And of course, don't forget, you know, we earn less than men. So if you and your partner are making a decision about who stays home, often that's an economic decision. And so women are more likely to earn less. Mm-hmm. Yes, not to mention women of color. Absolutely. And then it's it's even more of a, a challenge, more systemic issues upon issues. Um, so let's talk about how you decided you were going to solve this problem. <laughs> um, I'm a marketing person at heart, and I realized that a lot of women need that visibility to be seen as thought leaders, to get invited to for new jobs, for board positions. If you are a public speaker, you are more likely to be seen as a thought leader and an expert in your industry. And the more I kind of circled around the whole concept of public speaking, the more I realized that was a place where I had an expertise and I had, I felt the ability to make a difference. The more women I get on stage, the more women I help tell their story and be seen as experts and thought leaders, the more women get paid more and they have the ability to get funding for their startups. And there's just so many opportunities that come from public speaking and with my background and knowledge, I'm like, all right, this is how I can make a difference. Mm -hmm. And when did you found the company? Uh, It's been five years. So 2015, I left the startup that I'd been working with in 2008 and my agency and mass innovation nights you know, uh, followed very quickly after that. But Innovation Women is a more recent addition to the family. Mm. And you mentioned crowdfunding. Was that um, equity crowdfunding where you kind of sold stock in the company? Or tell us a little bit about that. No, it was on Kickstarter. So what I was doing is basically pre-sales. And the model for Innovation Women involves these speakers paying a membership fee of $100 a year. And that, that amount was designed 
not to keep people out, but to make people cognizant of their responsibility as a speaker. So I wanted people to fill out a profile. I wanted them to answer event managers. And I'd been running Mass Innovation Nights for many years at that point. And Mass Innovation Nights doesn't sell tickets. It doesn't charge the entrepreneurs anything. And so it doesn't get the respect. So I wanted to make sure that Innovation Women had a business model and it was a sustainable business model. So the way I was raising money to buy the development team was I was selling memberships before I actually had the site. So we raised about $20,000. So 200 speakers were kind of lined up and ready to go for when the website went live. Mm -hmm. And Innovation Nights, you said that is a little bit um, older than Innovation Women. How did that come into fruition? <laughs> oh, that is a very funny story. In 2008, when the market fell off a cliff, the startup that I was working with ran out of money. And so, you know, I immediately hung out a shingle and I started doing consulting work. And I had a lot of time on my hands. Like all of a sudden I had time to breathe and think. I'd spent the previous three years working for a startup. And one of the things that I did is I went back to being on a board. I had been on a museum board for many years. And during my startup venture, I was a bad board member. I mean, I was the board member that people are upset with because I never showed up. And so when I had that extra time on my hands, I went back to the board and they were trying to attract a new audience to this museum. It's the Charles River Museum of Industry and Innovation. It's the site of America's first integrated factory. It's really the birthplace of American industry. And it was so hard to find. I mean, you had to like park behind the movie theater, cross over a footbridge, go down a, a dirt path to find the entrance to the museum. And I said, well, I can do some events. And, and social media was new then. It was like this new area. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to do is I'm going to create a business model and a model of helping to promote local companies by using social media. And so I, st I had an idea. The museum used to do innovation days where they would drag out typewriters and printing presses and say, look, innovation of yesteryear. <laughs> and I was like, okay, innovation days, they're cool, but I'm going to do innovation nights with new products. And a concept was born. And we've launched over 1,500 new products in 11 years. And these companies have gotten more than $4 billion in collective funding. So Innovation Nights has a monthly event and we launch 10 to 15 new products every month. Such a great idea. We're going to hear some more about this um, and a lot more. <laughs> In just a few moments, we'll, we'll be right back. We'll take our quick little midpoint break here and we'll be back with Bobby Carlton. This is Heart Stuck.
This is Heartstock Radio. I'm Carol Murphy, your host, and Clark Grant is manning the board. Today, our guest is Bobby Carlton of Innovation Women, and we were just talking about uh, startup nights. Hi again, Bobby. Hi. So, how long did it take you to? I don't know. It just seems like a huge accomplishment your community to have that much engagement from the startup community and from founders and whatnot with startup nights. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting thing. You know, you, you start off a project like that and you start with a small number of companies and then you do it again and again and again. And one day you wake up and you've done like a hundred of these events and (laughs) you know, it's, um, you know, I, I, I tell people that persistence is a big part of my success, but it's also realizing and tapping the power of the crowd. I talked about crowdfunding for innovation women, but really for Mass Innovation Nights, I talk about it as crowd promoting. And we tap the power of social networks and the power of building community And a lot of what I do is educating people. And early on when I started Innovation Nights in 2009, social media was young. It was new. It was exciting. And people were like, what are you doing? And how do I do that too? So there was a lot of education involved and a lot of kind of bringing people along for the ride. And again, you just keep doing things with consistency and persistence and it builds up. Mm-hmm. And do the startups approach you or do you go out to find startups to, I, um, I would imagine they're pitching to investors, is that right? Among other things, um, we talk about Innovation Night being a visibility driver. So a visibility event is is helping them connect with customers, with partners, with investors, yes but also with the community and resources in the community. So it's not a successful crowd-promoting event unless everybody wins. So the audience comes and they get to see 10 new startups and the startups get to connect with the local community and that local community is promoting them through social media and there's just a lot of synergy and the timing is really excellent for these startups because they are launching their new product. And so all that visibility helps them during that launch period. At the same time, during that launch period is the time when they as a company need the most, you know, they need a CPA, they need a marketing firm, Mm -hmm. they need a lawyer. And so they're, the community realizes that and they show up and go, okay, here I am. I am your lawyer or I am your marketing. Now is a Mm -hmm. good time to connect with those companies because when they launch, they need everything. Mm -hmm. And everybody wins when they come to one of our events. It sounds great. (laughs) I was curious, too, about Innovation Women. What's the secret sauce there? It sounds like you have some pretty cool stuff that you're doing technology-wise to connect people. Is this like... Yeah, we have a uh, proprietary platform. 
And when I started Innovation Women, I I was kind of jump-starting it because of the work we did with Mass Innovation Nights. Innovation Nights had its own community and a weekly newsletter that went out to like 15,000 people in the Boston market. And that newsletter mostly promoted other people's events. I mean, I was only doing one event a month. So to do a weekly newsletter, I had to be promoting other events. And so that meant that I connected with all the event managers in Boston who were very happy to have me promote their events and bring new people to their events. And so when I started Innovation Women, I had a cadre of local event managers who I was already connected with. So that helped jumpstart it in Boston. And originally, my intention was to start in Boston, to grow the effort in Boston, and then move to other cities and events. And fortunately or unfortunately, I'm not sure someday is which, um, my crowdfunding effort went outside the Boston market. And we almost immediately had speakers signing on from all over the world, which meant that I had to change my model. I had to have a way to connect event managers and speakers anywhere, not just in the market where I was located. Well, sometimes things just take on a life of their own. That's the beautiful part of it, really. Can you tell us a little bit about how it works? Like if I'm somebody who's hosting an event and looking for a speaker versus a, a speaker. Absolutely. So event managers can use our platform for free. They come in and they sign up for a free account and they are able to search our database of almost 2,000 speakers for a speaker who fits the topic, the industry, the location, maybe the title. Maybe they're putting together a panel of cyber tech CEOs, or maybe they're looking for a lawyer who can talk about intellectual property. Or maybe they're a university and they can come in and say, I need somebody who went to my college to do a webinar for our alumni. And so they can search and then they connect directly with the speaker. We are not like a traditional speakers bureau. I don't take a portion of the speaker's fees and I just don't get in the middle. I'm connecting them and then my job is is not done because I'm still there to promote the speaker and promote the event. But we are making sure that they're connected and they're doing the work to decide if it's an appropriate opportunity for them. And all of that connection happens direct. Event managers can also post calls for speakers on our platform. And a lot of them do that and the speakers then apply for those opportunities. A speaker can come into our platform, put up their profile, and also connect with the calls for speakers that are on our platform. There's, I mean, anywhere between, you know, 150 and 300 of them at any given time. Mm -hmm. So... I'm wondering what your perspective is on how how are we doing as far as gender gap 
I see things are getting better. And especially in this age of COVID, you know, I would imagine that's impacting what you're doing pretty considerably. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I feel like I had a little bit of a heads up on the whole COVID crisis because my public relations firm did public relations for passengers on the Diamond Princess, which was quarantined <laughs> in February in uh, Japan. And so we kind of saw it coming. And <laughs> I was very nervous. You know, we had already started going online with a lot of our events. We had been doing webinar series for years for Innovation Women. And I've done a bunch of work on virtual events, but um, even I had no clue how pervasive this whole situation was going to be. But almost immediately, event managers had three choices. They could either cancel, postpone indefinitely, or they could go virtual. And so many people went virtual. And on top of that, so many other marketing organizations and companies said, you know, we have to change how we're doing business. We're going to have to do virtual events. So we've actually seen an increase overall in activity because so many people are doing these virtual events. I mean, we'll have someone come in to do a virtual summit and they will grab like, 20 speakers at a time. So it's actually been quite interesting. And we've been doing a lot of work to help educate our speakers and get them comfortable. I do drop-in office hours via Zoom twice a week. Um, We're doing things like Facebook Live. And we're really trying to do as much as we can to get everyone comfortable with the idea that, quite frankly, this is for the long haul. This is going to be a long, long time before events come back. (laughs) I think we're all finally realizing the the timeline here that we are on, (laughs) not by choice. Well, in some regards, a lot of the big tech choosing a lot of the big tech companies are saying they're not going to send anybody to events before like summer and fall of 2021. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a while. And how about the future? I know you said we've got just about two minutes left here, and I, I really want you to also share with folks how they can connect with you. But you, I believe you just acquired yet another company. Because <laughs> three isn't enough. I need four companies. <laughs> yes, I, um, I acquired another company called My Speaker Leads, which is another service for speakers. They don't focus on specifically opportunities for women um, or even tech, but they have a, a slightly different focus. They actually deliver to speakers leads or potential speaking opportunities for the speakers to follow up on. And they had a, an incredible database of event managers. So I see this as a great opportunity to grow the opportunities for innovation women. So, mm-hmm. yes, we just acquired another company. And how might our listeners find you? Well, I'm super easy to find on Twitter. Um, Bobby C, B-O-B-B-I-E, the letter C. But you can also follow women, uh, Innovation Women as Women, N-O-I-N-N-O. Or I'm 
pretty Googleable, Bobby <laughs> Carlson, and I'm your choice, B O B B I E, and there I am. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being on Heartstock. It's been fun hearing about what you what you're up to and how it's grown. Absolutely. Thank you for having me because the more women we get on stage to tell their stories, the better off we are. This is true. And this is Heartstock. I'm your host, Carol Murphy, and we will see you next week. As usual, peace. Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5 Butte America Radio. Hear our live programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org. Let's with me.